hello, we're here. Now, I don't normally do this, but I was a little disappointed last week. We didn't have the number of callers that we normally do and mm. I was quite upset. You know, I just felt like we didn't, we weren't loved as much, Paul and I. Very ego-driven. <laughs> Very ego. So, look, I have no doubt today we're going to get lots of calls because everyone was out yes, like last week. It was sunny and they're all going, not, oh, I've no. got to ask Dr. David my questions. That brings me to David Cheryl. Hello. hello. Welcome. Hello. We, we're not going to measure ourselves by that. But I do feel that, um, Cheryl, there's more people with their pets out there. They need our help. They do. There's lots of people who will be sitting looking at their pet at the moment going, oh, I Where did you up. come from? Where, what's going on with you? Where did you come from? No, I hope not. Oh, Last year, a lot of people have got a lot of new pets as well. So, yeah, a lot of new pet owners. Yes, yes. Mm. All right. So for Pet Chat today, Cheryl, what are we going to be talking about? Well, if we don't get lots of calls, I <laughs> thought I might talk about facial folds and wrinkles in dogs. Okay. And David? There's a couple of infectious diseases that are uh, starting to circulate. We need to bring people up to speed on what's happening. So, Alan, uh, who's in Redhead, welcome to the show. You've got a three- or four-month-old kitten and some issues going on there that you're hoping David can help you with. Yeah, he just sort of developed a cough over the last month or so. I don't know what it is, but she sort of sits there for a bit, about 30 seconds, and starts sort of coughing and... So just a dry coughing, you're saying she's not producing anything, yeah. not spitting anything yeah, just, up? No, no, just a dry cough. Okay. Yeah. Um, at that age, there's a couple of things that can be. Obviously, uh, we do see respiratory illness occur at any age. There's infectious diseases that can do that. Uh, viral diseases and so on. One of the interesting things about kittens, when we see coughing in kittens, is I'm always want to make sure that we don't have parasites. Now, one of the things that can happen is that intestinal worms that live in the gut, as part of their life cycle, they migrate through the body. Now, it sounds horrendous, um, yeah. and it kind of is migrating parasites, but they actually migrate through. And so, what happens is when the cat might lick grass or it licks its paws after it's been on grass there's eggs that have hatched or it ingests the eggs or the hatched larvae they're in the gut but then what they do is they they um, molt and then they become bigger they migrate through the gut wall through the liver through the diaphragm into the lungs and then they get coughed up and the cat swallows them so then the life cycle can continue and they become adults and they produce eggs, etc. So one of the things with uh, smaller animals is sometimes that migration pattern and because they're constantly around and we're really worried about worms, we sometimes yeah. see this problem with intestinal worms causing this. Now, interestingly, if we do a, a test to look for worms, it could be negative because what we're looking for is the eggs produced by the adults in the kitten's gut. But actually, we haven't even reached that stage. This is the migrating larvae. So oftentimes when I'm treating this, I would pr probably even say, let's make sure their worming is up to date um, as part of our treatment plan because occasionally we will get this problem happening. So it is a problem I would say speak to your vet about, but just also yeah. make sure you've got that worming up to date. I think that's going to be an important part of this as well. Yeah, okay, no worries. All right. All right. Well, thanks for that. No worries. Thanks for ringing in, 
ringing in, Alan. You've uh, made Sarah's day. Now, Cheryl, facial folds mm-hmm. in our animals. Absolutely, facial folds. And David was just saying, you know, about Botox for them. Well, some... <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great idea. But let's get back to let's, this. Let's get back to we'll, it. Is there talk of that? We'll come back we'll to come that. Back but to medically, it. it may be able mm, to help some no. dogs. Oh. No, because you're about to find out why it yeah. won't work. Ah, okay. Okay. All so right. many breeds of dogs have facial folds. This is where the excessive skin grows and it wrinkles and causes those creases. You know those dogs that you really love, Sarah, the smushy face looking oh, dogs? Oh, yeah. You just they're want so gorgeous. Yes. Well, the majority of breeds of dogs with wrinkles are actually short-haired. And people think, oh, they're low maintenance because they're short-haired. But in fact, these dogs require a lot more regular um, attention to their skin. And they need to be bathed in the correct shampoos because if they're not, um, it can also create problems. And also, we have to make sure when they're being bathed that we thoroughly dry that area where the skin fold is because if we don't, it'll harbour bacteria and that moisture will help um, bacteria and yeast and fungis to grow in those folds and create a real issue with the skin. So, Cheryl, we're talking about bulldogs and pugs. Yeah, so and the brachiophallic the... type breeds. So you've yeah. got your Pekingese, your pugs, your bulldogs, um, your Sharpays, you know, the Rolly. Poly, the polies, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, your mastiffs, even boxes. A lot of these breeds have quite deep folds. Yeah. And there's not just facial folds, there are other folds as well. Sometimes they get a fold around the tail base, like a little corkscrew. Mm. Um, some dogs have really deep folds there. Okay. And they can also, um, overweight dogs or obese females can often have vulva folds as well. And these really can create a lot of problems on the skin. So keeping them clean is really paramount because not only does the shedding hair from the dog get stuck in those folds but you get dirt you get debris you get shedding skin the shedding hair everything's happening in those creases and because it's laying there it's actually causing a really big problem now part of the problem that you'll notice as a dog owner is that it'll be quite smelly it'll be very lot of odor in there but the skin itself can become really unhealthy and if you don't clean it out it can actually create a lot of problems for the dog so we need to get it clean but you need when you're cleaning it to actually do it carefully so that you're not um, disrupting the cells on the skin itself because if it's unhealthy and you're wiping it and doing it a little bit harsh you could actually create a problem on the skin so we need to make sure that we do it gently but we do it regularly so it becomes a routine thing that you've got to be doing at least weekly with the right shampoo and also products there's products that you can get to actually clean the folds but when you're bathing the dog making sure that you are using a, a good shampoo that will also you're able to rinse it out because we don't want anything getting um creating a bigger problem in that area. And Cheryl, you actually move the folds, obviously, to get Yeah, so you you have to try and part the (laughs) fold to get it in. Sometimes you can use a Q-tip, like a cotton tip. Yeah, okay. um, And there's different creams that often your veterinarian will prescribe for you if your dog's got um, certain skin disease with it. But, David, it is a big problem with a Mm. lot of breeds. Yeah, and and it's it's a physical confirmation thing. So this is why things like Botox won't work. In fact, a lot of these dogs end up needing surgery yes. to remove the folds. So it's not the muscle is what you're saying. It's the no, skin itself, it's hence well, why Botox won't help exactly. smooth it out. 
The other one I've seen too, Cheryl, is cocker spaniels with lip folds. Ah, the lip folds, yes. So yes. even around at the bottom lip, they yes. seem to have this extra, it's kind of like their lip is longer than their jaw. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they get very deep furrows in those and they, you know, sort of hang down quite low. So and, they can, yeah, yeah, and they can ulcerate, as you said, like the bacteria, the yeast, they can ulcerate. And if you leave it and wait for a problem, they're incredibly painful. And, and as I said, some dogs actually... We will look at surgery because that's probably the only thing that can permanently correct them. Yeah. And good one to mention too, Cheryl, because as you said, a lot of us just think, oh, that, that would be fairly low maintenance. Mm. You know, not a lot of hair, short hair, but yeah, you don't yeah. think of the folds. And another thing, sometimes dogs will actually rub their face. They'll be quite irritated and you might find your dog rubbing its face on the carpet or on the side of the lounge or soft furnishing. Be careful if this is happening. Do check your dog out because they can do a lot of damage not only to their face but to their eyes when they're doing that because obviously their skin is quite itchy and it's um, yeah, it's a big problem for some dogs. Okay, well, look, um, my wish has come true. The phones have gone a little bit ballistic. So let's start going to our calls. Charlie from Charlestown, uh, your dog is constantly licking everything and you're just wondering what is causing this. Yeah. Yes, always lick. Constantly lick. And what sort of dog have you got, Charlie? A little cavoodle. A little cavoodle, and how old is she? He? Four. Four years old, and how long has this been going on for? Uh, day one. Right, okay. So since puppyhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's probably a couple of things. I mean, one, one aspect now, after four years, is that there's a very habitual nature to this. And so what happens is when it starts as a puppy, it's really, we tend to see it as more of an exploring activity. So the dog is using um, taste and smell and finding out what everything is. Um, and then over time, this has become more of a habitual activity. One of the things I, w- I was, saw your um, note come up on our screen about what was going on, and I was thinking, well, we often uh, um, kind of put this in the anxiety bucket. It's a way that dogs exhibit anxiety. They'll go around and they're licking everything. And um, it may... Oh, Oh, just people? Yeah. Yeah, it could mm-hmm. still be activity, but a lot of dogs, uh, sorry, anxiety, a lot of dogs will do that to seek reward, like they get padded. Um, now, that means that you have to look at some sort of behavioural approach, which is we don't want to pat the dog for the behaviour that we want it to stop, okay? So what we want to do is ask the dog to stop and sit. Is the, This is the easiest way. If you can train them to sit... As soon as they sit, they get a, um, a food treat reward and maybe a pat at that time. But whenever the dog is licking at you, just ask it to sit. So it gets rewarded for sitting, not for licking. You need to break the bond, but though, between the dog licking and you asking it to sit, which means you actually have to ask it to sit at other times where it gets rewarded so that it doesn't think, oh, I lick, I sit, I get a treat, I lick, I sit, I get a treat. It's the sitting that is the activity that gets the reward. And so over time, and it doesn't take very long, certainly a four-year-old dog, I think if you're very persistent, you should be able to turn that around pretty quickly. Um, That doesn't mean that you're going to have times, though, we we might retreat back into that behaviour. But every time the dog licks you, even if you go to push its head away, as far as the dog's concerned, oh, you've given me a pat. So it's asking the dog to sit 
which means you've got to have some food treats handy at all times. Um, but once you start that habit, you will change uh, her habit. That sounds like a fairly easy way to, to break that, David. It's That's not hard. You know, we can yeah. all probably do well, that. Well, that particular behaviour should be amenable to change pretty easily because it's occurring when you're there. Okay. It's often the problem ones of things that when happen you're when you're there. not there. So that one should be easier. Let's head to Patterson now and welcome to the show, Kevin. Now you've got an American staffy who gets really itchy under her body and she scratches until she bleeds. Yep, that's right, yeah. And how old's your dog, Kevin? Three years old. And how long has this one been going on for? Uh it's not our dog, but we've been looking after her for about nine months, and she's getting worse. Oh, okay. We've even changed the food. Yep. That a, that a vet told us to try a different food on her. Yeah. But it, it hasn't worked. Now, when you said you've only had her for nine months, where did she come from? Oh, she come from a son's place. Which was is like, is it local or? She come from Beresfield. Okay, close enough. Close, yeah, enough. close enough. Yeah. Sometimes we'll see dogs that when they move to a new area, and by that I mean, you know, like hundreds of kilometres, yep. they can develop new allergies because they're now exposed to new, um, you know, pollens and grasses and things like that. Usually that sort of distance, I think you'll find that most of the species of trees and grasses and things like that are going to be very similar. Yep. Um, so it's probably not going to be new allergies, but... What we do see is that in a dog this age, we might actually start to see the onset of allergic skin disease. It can happen in a... Sometimes we'll see it at a a dog that's less than one year old, and usually it's kind of like that one to two, and sometimes, you know, three-year-old. So the the reason why I'm saying that is that um, it's under the body, isn't it? It's it's not on top. Yeah, well, under her neck, under all her legs. When When you tip her upside down, she just read everywhere in all the places you can't see when she's standing up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, or or a, a deep pink colour. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is which is a sign of, in the skin, we call it erythema, uh, oh. which is that redness. And um, so that can be a, a sign of allergic skin disease. The pattern of distribution tells me that I'd be worried that it's a contact allergy. So yeah, something she's that even, she's lying on. And she's even got it in her paws. Yeah. Know, like, or, or inside her paws or... So gra- grass would be a possible cause for sure. Um, but also just make sure, you know, she's not lying on a bed and we've had a different laundry detergent or something like that that she wasn't used to. Um, by all means, maybe make sure her bedding is clean anyway. But when we deal with grasses, that's going to be a bit harder to escape. This is a problem which, um, going back to the vet and talking about, there is medication that can help. Um, it does take a holistic approach, okay? So diet's one aspect, but it's probably a, the minor aspect. Um, there is medication, medicated shampoo. We use things like antihistamines. Sometimes we use cortisone. But these days we actually have some really good um, immune-modulating drugs that will reduce the reaction. So that can be infuriating for the dog. So I would say let's get back to the vet and get that checked out. And let's go to one more call before we take a break. Uh, Anne is in Minmai. Now, Anne, you've got a Shih Tzu Maltese that's very scared. Yes, yes. She's um, she's two and a half years of age and uh, about 12 months ago she started going under our bed at times. She comes out sometimes to eat. 
she will spend the whole time while I'm out under the bed. Mm. I only come out when I get home. We walk her twice a day. She's very happy about doing that. I massage her. I play with her. And this is still happening. It's a very small space. She just squashes herself in under there. And that small space, <laughs> Anne, is actually what she's seeking. That's right. what she wants. She wants to be in this cave. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one question I did have was if you're not walking her or not giving her a massage and you're at home, does she still go under the bed? Yes. She, she does. does at okay. Time. Yes. And do you have any other dogs or cats? No, we've got a cat that she gets on very well with. They wrestle and play. But the other thing is we're about to get another puppy. I was wondering if, if that would maybe bring her out of herself because it's only a seven or eight weeks old. It may, but it may make things worse. Oh. <laughs> okay, because oh, so hiding under the bed is reducing anxiety. Right. Okay, now we often talk about this with dogs that have things like thunderstorm phobia. Yes. They'll go and hide under the bed and I always say to people, that's okay. Um, you know, they, they're just trying to feel safe, but see if you yes. can make them a place to go and hide. Right. Okay. Yeah. So why don't we take the same, I don't want you to stop her access to under the bed. No, no. But what I want to do is maybe try and shift her to a different space. Right. Remembering okay. that she wants it to be small. She oh. wants to be, um, well, obviously quite comfortable. One of the yes. things about being under the bed is that she, she feels closer to you because of the oh. smell there. So what I'm wondering is if we get her, you can buy these um, soft, you know, all igloo-type dog yes, huts. Yes, Yeah? Oh, well. And if you put it, yeah, but you're going to need to put some of your clothing in there. Yes. Sacri- right. Sacrifice it for the good. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I think that if, again, you can use food. When you get her out, um, maybe shutting the door to the bedroom and then placing this igloo th- near the bedroom. Right. And st- and if she goes in, give her a treat for being in there. And for then, there. yep, over time we're going to move that igloo away from, I'm saying an igloo, but you kind of know what I mean. I know what you mean, yep. yes. We're going to move it away from the bedroom. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think if you do that, that'll probably have, you know, help her out and help you out. I think she'll do all right with that. Anne from Maitland, you've got a 14-year-old blue healer who is waking every morning at 3am. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? Oh, Sarah, that's earlier than when you get up for spin class. <laughs> it is. It's, it is much earlier. 3am, that'd be when Todd's getting up to come in to do breakfast. Most certainly would be, yeah. yeah. And no one wants to be up at 3am, do they, Anne? Not even Todd. <laughs> no. Especially it's, Todd. It's, so It's been happening for like six months. Yes. At least. Yeah. So I've been to the. She's had. Am I allowed to mention medication? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll help me. Zelcoline. Z y l. Zelcoline. Yep. Zelcoline. Sorry, and then she, at the moment, and so it didn't do anything, you know. And then the trazodone. Is that right? Yes. Trazodone hydrochloride. So she has that now, and that. Uh, 25 milligrams of that. So we tried various doses of those meds and they still either they have a side effect the next day that she's all dopey. Yeah, yeah. So now I just give her the trazodone. We actually has like 25 milligrams every evening but still wakes up. Okay. There is um, 
So both those drugs are actually trying to change behavior. Right. Um, anti-anxiety. Um, Trazodone kind of works in that space. It's more like a sedation calming effect. And um, the Zelkine, I can never say that name. Um, yeah, but- it, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, so it's like a natural product derived to try and help behavior. One of the things um, I think is going on is what we call cognitive dysfunction. Yeah. So this is um, kind of like a dementia in that we see in people, and one of the characteristics is this altered sleep cycle. Yeah, and so we think that too. It's because of the age and there's a bit of dementia. Yeah. And so I've varied the times when you give it, because there's only a window that they work. They might only work for like six hours or something. Right. You mean the medication? The meds yeah. only work for a period of time. So I try to give it to her later so that she'll sleep through three. But sometimes it can be one, three, and five. Mm. Oh. Does she want to go to the toilet or she just is anxious? No, just... she's anxious because she can't, mm. oh, she's, she can't see. She's visually impaired. Yeah. yeah. And so therefore she's old. She's wonky, you know, she goes, oh, where am I? And so you've got to get up in case she wants to have a pee or a poo, but it isn't that. Yeah, okay. It's just the anxiety and being old. I think a lot of yeah. lot of dogs, when we hear this story, you yeah. may well have a number of different things happening. Certainly the anxiety does seem to be there, and I think that an approach to treating that, whether it's with those products, but as you said, the duration doesn't quite match, Um and, you know, their effectiveness is not always that great. Yeah. So oftentimes we just have to really play around with the drugs and find the ones that are going to work. The other thing that I was thinking is that some of these dogs, there are some medications that help to improve blood flow through the brain. Yeah. Um, that's another possibility. And um, I'm just trying to think of the name. If I get it wrong, my vet friends are going to ring me up and say, you got the drug name wrong. Um <laughs> But there is actually some drugs that are labelled for this condition, okay? Yeah. And then the other thing is there's uh, there's actually some uh, dietary therapy that people have yeah, used cool. that seems to help. Um, and it's related to the balance of proteins and um, different supplements in there. So probably worth having a chat to the vet about that as well. There about is a, there dietary, is, what is it? Yeah, there, well, there's, a, there's a, actually a commercial food. Um, it's one of the Hills products. Oh, yeah, well, she has that. Is that BD? She has the, oh, it's purple with a collie on the front of it. Um, it's the ID. Oh, okay. Well, does Digestive she... Digestive care ID, low fat. So she has that sweet potato, pumpkin and chicken. Does she have that for a, a gastrointestinal problem or is that just... Yeah, she used yes. to have pancreatitis. Oh, okay, okay. So you want to have a low fat product. It's worth having a chat with the vet about maybe the diet can be modified. Maybe we can add some of these other medications that help blood flow through the brain and probably trying to find a new product, a new medication for the um, anxiety. And with those things, hopefully we'll get a little bit better with the result. But it's a difficult scenario for you, Anne, so... Yeah, Yeah, and and let us know how you get on, Anne. We'd love to hear how how you're (laughs) travelling. We're going to go now to Carly in Wall's End. Now, you've got a cat, but your cat started urinating on the floor. Yes, he has. Oh, Carly, this is terrible. You've got to clean this up all the time. <sighs> it's every, hard. every half an hour, so I'm always doing the paper towel, mopping it up, and then 
You're very distant, Carly. We can barely hear you, but it sounds like you're having to do it frequently. I've very, that much. Very half hour. Yeah. Now, a couple of questions. How old is your cat? Um, almost seven. Seven years old. And um, how many cats do you have? I've got, with him, I've got two others, so I've got three altogether. And how many litter trays do we have? Two. We need two more. Two more. Yes, one one per cat plus one. So you've got three cats, you need four litter trays, and I would suggest that you use two different types of litter. Okay? So yep. cat, cats can be very particular. You know, some people like their bathrooms to be done up with certain floral scents and everything. Cats are very particular as well. So they don't want floral scents, but sometimes some cats will prefer the gravel. Some cats prefer the... Um, the paper, and you just need to find what works. So I would suggest we go with um, two more litter trays, two types of litter. Now, when I say four litter trays, I know it sounds like a lot, but that's what comes with having three cats. You need to spread them around the house. Don't all just, don't have four litter trays together. No. Yeah, they have to be spread out. Now, does your cat go outside? Yes, he does. Do you see other cats coming into the yard? Uh, no. Okay. Just, I did forget to ask, how long has this been going on for? Just recently. Yeah. And have you, those other cats, did you recently acquire a cat or is this, they've all been together? They've all been together. They're not all the same age, like one's 12 months old, one's two years old. Okay. The other thing I would also suggest is you still need to get the litter tray, still need to do those things. Um, and then speak to the vet. You probably do need to go and get her checked. Seven-year-old, I'm going to be worried that she doesn't have kidney disease, diabetes, and that will increase her frequency of urination, a urinary tract infection. She may not be able to get to the litter tray in time. Um, So obviously having more litter trays helps, particularly with stress and anxiety, behavioural problems. But if it's a medical problem, then we need to find that out. So the vet would probably talk about maybe doing a urine test, maybe some blood tests. Um, because obviously litter trays aren't going to treat a bacterial urinary tract infection. We need to treat that with antibiotics. All right, thanks for the call, Carly. Uh, We're going to head to Jade now. Now, Jade is in Redhead. You have an 11-month-old Cocker Spaniel uh, who's really well-behaved but getting a lot of unwanted attention from the other dogs. Bound chicka wow wow. (laughs) What's going on? Oh, she's not there. Do I need to repeat that whole intro again? Hello, Jade. (laughs) That's okay, I don't need an intro, thank you. <laughs> um, hi, so um, I'm a bit at a loss. So I have a little cock spaniel, he's been desexed for a good three months now. Um, really social, really dog, really friendly dog. Um, you know, just plays well, I'm really proud of him and I take him a lot of places because of it, I can take him places. But I'm finding now, he's nearly one. And we go to social environments like the, you know, the dog parks, a lot of off-leash areas and things, even a barbecue at Christmas time, and he gets an, ob- an obscene amount of unwanted attention from other male dogs, if uh, you know what I mean. Yes, they're jumping on him. So my bouchic oh, wow wow was spot on. You were spot on. It is, and it, but he, he's never been the giver. He's never been one to do that, okay. which I'm really happy about. <laughs> he's not ever been one to do it, <laughs> but it's it's obscene. Like, it, and it's actually he got really aggressive at the park on the weekend, and he 
and I've never seen him like it, where he this jog, it was a German Shepherd, and he's not the biggest, you know, Cocker Spaniels aren't that big. Yes, um, yes. But he's feeling harassed, and I feel like he's being harassed, and it's just everywhere we go where it's an off-leash area, he will get, and it's not just one dog, it'll be a few dogs. So is this a behavioural thing or a huh. ceremony thing, or is he just a pretty boy? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a cocker spaniel, so he's a pretty boy. Um, you're spot on, though. It's pheromone-driven behaviour, okay? Right. So um, basically when everybody, dogs, humans and whatever, every, each sex, we all produce uh, both female sexual hormones and male sexual hormones just in different proportion. So the thing about male dogs is that the testosterone is produced by the testicles that have been removed. Mm-hmm. But there are other parts of the body that are producing hormones and so the estrogen, right, which is the female hormone, mm. e- even though normally it's such a tiny amount, it's balanced out by you've got the testosterone. Now the testosterone's gone. There's kind of like your dog is producing more estrogen than testosterone. <laughs> and so... Now, the other dogs are going, oh, you smell all right. Um, so that's part of it. One of mm-hmm. the things is that he's 11 month old. So as a puppy maturing, he's kind of like, oh, this dog wants to play with me. And he's like, hang on, that's not play. Mm-hmm. Then he starts to get cranky. Um, and also, other dogs jumping on top of your dog is a dominant act. And so he's also going to respond to that. So... Um, it is pheromone-driven. I'm not sure that there's a lot that you can do with that. Mm, um, okay. I, I don't know. If, I mean, you can get testosterone injections, but um, maybe that would help. But I'm, I'm not quite sure. I've never heard anybody do that before. Um, yeah, okay. But um, otherwise, it's, it's really just about managing him when he's, and other dogs when they're on leash and so on, um, yeah. which means, it, unfortunately... It, it, I plan removing him. Like, I'll just yeah. have to go to the other end of the park. Because he loves to play. So he's so playful. I feel like it's so unfair. And it'll be, as I said, like the other day, it was a, a big a big um, cattle dog, a big German shepherd. And then there's this other, there's this other dog that's, he's huge. And it's just, and, and they don't want to hurt him. But now what I'm worrying about is because for the first time I've seen him yes. retaliate in, yeah. a, in a more Snap aggressive back. way. I thought, oh, what if he does that and then one of those bigger dogs go, well, hold on, yeah. I don't like you doing that. To yeah. Him, and it turns into something else. It could escalate. That's, that's, so that's going to be the concern. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because it could. He could get crankier and crankier because no one right. wants that. Yeah, I, I haven't heard that scenario before, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if testosterone is going to be the best way. I'd be interested talk to a few other people about it. And it's hard because you're relying on other pet owners to have their pets leashed and keeping them... Yeah. In an okay. off-leash park, everybody's running around. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, there you go. That's it for Pet Chat today. Thank you for all the calls. <laughs> we appreciate it. We will be back next week. David, thank you. Cheryl, thank you. Lovely My to have you pleasure. both. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.